I get to bring the Word of God to you this morning. That is a fun privilege, i got to tell you, to get to do this. Um, and if you have your Bible, uh, we're going to be in Psalm 119 today. Uh, those of you who have read Psalm 119 and know that I preach verse by verse, take heart, we're not going to go through all 176 verses today. Okay, we're going to look at a small section of that. Uh, and as you find your way there, let me tell you a story. Um, once upon a time, uh, your pastor met the most wonderful woman in the world. She has flaming red hair, and she is beautiful. And to make things better, she liked me and thought I was cool, okay? It never happened very often before. And uh, we met... Uh, uh, some of you guys can relate to that, right? You had this girl you thought was great, and she wouldn't give you the time of day, okay? But I met Karen, and I thought, boy, I seriously, on the very first night I met her, I thought, I'm going to marry this woman, okay? About a year and a half later, I did. Um, actually, about two years later. But in any case, uh, we met just before school let out for the year. We were in college at the time, and... And I'll tell you, you know, at the risk of making myself sound like a geezer to all the folks who are under 25, um, we uh, didn't have instant messenger back then. Uh, we didn't have text messages, okay? Uh, we didn't have Facebook by which to keep contact with one another. Um, email was just kind of in its infancy, and uh, we didn't have internet at my house. And long-distance calls uh, were not free with your cell phone plan, all right? Um, and so we wrote letters to one another. Um, in fact, we wrote great quantities of letters. I have a couple of big boxes full of letters I sent to Karen and then uh, letters that she sent to me down in our, uh, down in our basement in a, a box we keep in storage of all these love letters. And we would write one another, and I'd get a letter from Karen, and I'd be like, ah, you know. And I'd open it up, you know, you'd smell it, ah, you know, it'd be great. And you'd cut that open because you didn't want to mess up the envelope, right? Because her handwriting all over the outside of that thing, right? And I'd read that, and she'd be telling me really exciting stuff like how many widgets she made at 3M that day, you know. And we'd go on for pages and pages of stuff. And I would like, you know, I would wear the ink off these letters in between letters. You know, I get a new one. Ah, same deal, okay? And we would just read them and just savor that. And why do you do that? Because you're in love, silly, right? And you, everything about that is so new and so uncertain and so fresh and exciting. And you never had this kind of experience before and so you continue to read and just savor every word that's there right and then of course we got married and we don't send each other love letters that much anymore you know um, because an interesting transition begins to happen over time after you get married Jim Darcy maybe you guys haven't experienced this yet but trust me you will okay um over time, the uncertainty and the, the newness wears off a little bit. And it's that uncertainty that gives you all of the gushy feelings that you have. 
and you, and you begin to have a stable relationship. You know, instability makes things exciting. Um, but you begin to have a stable relationship, and you begin to know one another better, and then you begin, over time, to have to do as a discipline what you did as an instinct and a strategy when you were dating, right? Um, you know, you've got to convince this woman that she's the most wonderful thing ever, and so you do whatever it takes, right? Flowers, candy, jewelry, letters, long, long talks on the phone. When was the last time you had a long talk on the phone, right? Probably just as soon just go home and talk, right? Uh, now we're not going to spend two hours on the phone. We're just going to drive and go see one another, right? Um, and, and so you have to begin to discipline yourself to do, like I say, what you did by instinct and as strategy before, you have to discipline yourself for. And the reason I tell you that story and the reason I bring it up is that I think a similar thing a lot of times happens in our relationship with God. When we initially come to Christ, boy, it's exciting. And you take your Bible and you're like, man, I need to know this. This is cool stuff. And you read these stories and these great psalms and poems and spiritual songs that are there, and the instruction from the epistles, and you're like, wow, I never knew this. This is great stuff. My life needs to be transformed and brought into conformity with the Word of God. Praise Jesus, right? And you're very excited, and it's very exciting. And then over time, what happens is, is that the excitement and the newness starts to wear off. And what had seemed wonderful and beautiful and lovely in the beginning now seems like, oh boy, I guess I have to read my Bible this morning. Uh, maybe tomorrow. Okay? And just as it's wrong to put your love for your mate kind of on the shelf, and, and remember back when, when we were in love, <laughs> okay, and how that relationship needs to be cultivated, and you need to, in some cases, repent and do the things that you did at first, okay? In the same way, our relationship with God and his, our relationship with Him through His Word is this, operates the same way. In many cases, we need to repent and do the things we did at first. Right, And to have the same kind of hunger and joy for the Word of God today. Maybe, you know, I've been a believer about 31 years. Okay? Uh, some of you, longer than that, considerably. And some of you are brand new, maybe a year. Maybe you're not even a believer yet. Um... But wherever you are in the journey, we need to hunger and thirst and desire God's Word. And so I want to talk today about using the spiritual disciplines to teach us to do the things that we did at first. To do the things that we did naturally in the beginning, to do them by discipline now so that we can have the, some of the same joy that we had back then, okay? And when I say discipline, I do not mean uh, this is going to be a beating, 
okay? I mean, to be self-disciplined and have the habit built into your life of taking in the Word of God on a regular basis so that it can transform your life as it did back when, okay? So if you've got, um, if you've got your Bible and you found your way to Psalm uh, 119, okay, um, we're going to look at Psalm 119, verses 9 to 16. Um, psalm 119 is a, is a beautifully constructed psalm. The whole thing, it's 176 verses long, and the whole thing is an alphabetic acrostic. And that means that each poetic line in each section, there's, there's uh, I believe it's 23 sections, um, for the 23 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Okay? And the, each, each section, each line in that section starts with the same letter of the Hebrew alphabet that it's named for. So we're going to look at uh, section B, or bait, okay? The Hebrew letter bait. And beginning uh, in verse 9, and this is what the Word of God says. It says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Uh, this whole psalm is, is the psalmist's reflection on the glory of God's word. And here in this section here, we want to look at three things. The first one we want to look at is the benefit of Bible study. The benefit of Bible study. Okay? Um. Look at verse 9 here. It's probably one of the most well-known verses in, the entire, uh, in all of Psalms. If you have read Psalms, you probably know this verse. But the, the verse begins, How can a young man keep his way pure? It's asking a question. And your way is your manner of life, your conduct, your behavior, your speech and, and thoughts and action. How do you keep those three things pure? And by the way, even though it says young man, uh, old guys, you're not excluded. If you're a woman, you're not excluded either, okay? Um, how can a person keep his or her way pure? His conduct, his behavior, his, uh, his speech, his thoughts. And, um, and the Bible says here, by, and it gives the answer, by guarding it according to your word. And your, your Bible may uh, read, uh, the NIV, I think, reads, by living according to your word. Okay? But the idea is uh, more of guarding, of protection. And the picture is of having a, a sentinel or a, uh, someone that's standing guard over your life. And the idea is, is that as you take in God's word that it repels evil from you by making evil repellent to you. 
Okay, I'll say that again in case you missed it. As you take in God's word, it repels evil from you by making evil repellent to you. Okay? How many of you today have an overwhelming desire to steal stuff? Raise your hand. All right. Take notes. All right. Mark those people down. <laughs> All right. But, <laughs> um, um, but uh, the reason I ask that question is, is that most every person in this room is someone who is a believer in Jesus Christ. And, and because of that, the idea that you would take something that does not belong to you is repellent to you. You would no more do that than, than you would give rat poison to your grandmother. You know, you wouldn't do that. Why? It wouldn't occur to you to do that. Um, and, and why not? Well, because as you take in God's word, it changes you. It changes your thinking. And so in a sense, the word of God stands guard in your life and doesn't allow some of those thoughts and some of, those, some of that speaking pattern that you have or some of that uh, pattern of life to get started because it never occurs to you to do that as you take in the Word of God, okay? Um, and so he says, if you, if you, uh, how can you keep your, your life pure? By living according to God's word. As you do what God's word says, it becomes foreign to you to do other than God's word says. Okay? Uh, my dad's here today, and um, one of the most fun things that we did when I was growing up uh, was raise bird dogs. And dad still has a big wolf pack at home of English setters um, to chase pheasants and quail and whatnot. And one of the interesting things about those dogs, at least if you have a, one that's other than a biscuit eater, is that you have um, a dog when he, even as a little puppy, a little six, seven-week-old puppy, he smells bird scent, and he just, his eyes bug out, and he freezes like a statue. Okay? Why? Because everything in his nature is geared toward the love and the pursuit of game birds. Okay? Everything in your nature as a human being is geared toward the love and the pursuit and the enjoyment of sin until Jesus Christ comes into your heart and changes you by, the, by faith in him. Okay? And then your nature begins to change. And you begin, as you take in God's word and learn to walk in accordance with it, you begin to have your way purified. To where... Now, all of a sudden, when you have an opportunity to sin, to sin you don't go, yes! <laughs> okay. Uh, now, it doesn't appeal to you in the same way. Okay? Your eyes don't bug out and you, you know, lock on to that like the dog does, okay? Uh, you, um, you have different desires because you have had them changed by the indwelling of the Spirit and by the intake of God's Word into your life. Okay, uh, verse 10, he says, With my whole heart I seek you, let me not wander from your commandments. And what he is saying is, is that more than anything else in his life, more than anything else in his life, he wants to know God. With my whole heart I seek you. More than anything else, in other words, I want to know God. 
and therefore don't let me depart from your commandments. Occasionally I have opportunities to counsel with people, and this is always interesting, um, at least in some, so, at least sometimes it's interesting. Uh, somebody will come to me with a problem, and they'll be engaged in real obvious sin. And they'll say to me, I really want God's will in this situation. And I will say to them, really? Do you really want God's will in this situation? Yes. Okay, if you want to hear from God, you need to stop doing X. Well, I don't want to do that. Okay, like I've occasionally counseled with with, uh, young unmarried couples who want me to do their wedding. And they say, we think this is God's will for your life, for our lives together. Really? Um, Why are you living together then? Because if you wanted God's will, you would have not done that. And you can't tell what God's will is while you are deeply involved in your sin, right? It clouds your ability to understand what God is teaching you. And so, he, and so the psalmist in verse 10 here asks God, don't let me wander off because then I won't understand who you are. The further we get away from God, and every time we sin, it takes us a little further away from God. The more that we do that, the less we have the ability to know God. Uh, You ever notice that when you go outside and you walk away from something, it gets further and further away and gets more and more indistinct? Okay, that's what the psalmist is saying. Don't let me walk away from you. I want to be close to you. I want to be right up next to you where I can see you, and I want to walk in your ways so that I can know you. Don't let me wander off, Lord. Do whatever it takes. Keep me close to you. It's a good prayer. Uh, Verse 10, let's see. um, Verse 11. Now, I learned this in the King James uh, when I was a kid, okay? I learned it as, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Right? Probably probably how a lot of you learned it. Um. But here it says, um, in, in this translation, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And the idea is more than just memorization. Okay? Um, there's a lot of people, as an example, that you can, you can meet them sometimes where they have grown up, they went to Awana as a kid and went all the way through and learned however many thousand verses that is. Uh, to get all those awards through Awana, and they are currently uh, not attending church and don't even necessarily believe the Bible is true. But they got a lot of awards, okay? Or they used to be in navigators maybe when they were in college and had all their little cards in their hand and they flipped through them, uh, and they and they memorized a lot of God's Word. But the problem is is that the dif- the, the most difficult thing for people to do a lot of times is to make an 18-inch jump from here to here. Okay? And and when he's talking about, I have hid my word in my heart, doesn't just mean simply I memorized a lot of Scripture. It means that I put God's word into my soul in such a way that it transformed me. And because it has transformed me, it has prevented me from sin. Because I no longer have the set of desires I used to have. Okay? 
Uh, and these verses, if you understand them the way I understand them, one of the primary benefits of Bible study, as you put the Bible into your heart, into your life, so that it flows out, is that um, Jesus, Jesus said this in a different way. He said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, whatever is in there is what's coming out of there. And if we want what's coming out of our life to be better than it is, we've got to put in there something different. Okay? Uh, and we need to have God's word come into our life and into our heart in such a way that it transforms us and changes us. All right? Uh, verse 12 to 14 here. I want to look at the blessing of Bible study. Uh, verses 12 to 14, the psalmist kind of gives us his example. And what he is saying is, is that he literally cannot believe that he has access to a Bible, and so he praises God. He says, Blessed are you, O Lord, o Lord teach me your statutes. Have you ever thought about what an amazing privilege it is to have a Bible? I mean, you look at a lot of ancient civilizations as an example, and you know they'd have a thunderstorm and maybe some hail and stuff, and they'd go, "Well, we got to go look at some chicken guts and figure out what God was doing there." You know, um, rip open that gut, that goat, and see if he's got worms in his liver. If he does, that'll tell us the future. <laughs> okay, weird, but that's what people did. Okay, why did they do that? Because they had no uh, relationship with God, they had no revelation from God. Uh, and they were in their sin, and they wanted to do whatever pleased them, and so that's what they went with. Okay? The psalmist says, How blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. You have given me your word. I don't have to wonder what God's will is. I don't have to wonder how to know God. I can read it right here. Find it in the pages of a book that God gave. And he says, look here. And he, he uses three different words in these three verses. Um, statutes and rules and testimonies. And they're all a little bit different. Um, but they all have to do with what God has to say about how we conduct ourselves. And he says, it's a blessing by obeying your rules and testimonies and statutes by obeying the things in your word. In other words, um, we can have great joy, we can have freedom and life. And so the psalmist is just praising God here for the amazing privilege of the fact that he has a Bible and he can't shut up about it. And so he goes on and just praises God. Um, verse 14, he says this, he says, he says, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. Now, be honest, but answer me this question. How many of you, given a choice between all the money in the world and being able to read your Bible, wouldn't at least think about it before you answered the question? And yet the psalmist says, I delight in your word more than all riches. In other words, you can give me everything that the world has to offer, 
but I'd rather have the Word of God to speak into my life. That, uh, I'm going to have to grow into that text. I don't know about y'all. Okay? Uh, finally, the method of Bible study. Um, he says, uh, verses, last two verses, 15 and 16, I will meditate on your precepts, fix my eyes on your ways, delight in your statutes, and not forget your word. Uh, all four of these concepts are parallel to one another. Um, how many of you have ever, ever seen a cow eat? Okay, it's kind of a gross experience. Um, but a cow is a ruminant. And, and they have four stomachs. And what happens is, is they eat the grass and it kind of goes down into their rumen, the first one, and it makes these little clumps or balls and then they kind of barf that back up and chew on it some more. Okay? As they call that, chewing your cud. Right? And, and then they process it and then they send it back down and it processes some more and then we get steak. Right? Um, that's the idea. Um, uh, uh, ribeye and things, right? Okay. Um, that's the important part of a cow's eating process, the way it results in our, in our good and on our blessing. Um, but what the psalmist is saying is, is that that's what he does with God's word, that he takes it in, and then a little later he brings it back up again, and chews on it some more. And then he thinks about it a little more. And chews on it some more. Until it finally works into his system. And brings him benefit. Okay. That he. That he fixes his eyes on it. He meditates on it in his thoughts. He takes delight in it with his emotions and with his mind. He says, I will not forget. Now, forgetting does not mean um, just failing to remember, okay? Some of you all, as you get older, you know, you can't remember things. Uh, I can't remember where I put my keys about five days a week, all right? Where do I put my keys? Um, and Karen and I, Karen has threatened to get me one of those things that when you go around the house and clap, you know, that beeps at you. Okay. It's not simply that kind of forgetting. Uh, in the Old Testament, um, God talks about, I want you to remember my word, and I want you to not forget. And when the prophets indict the nation of Israel, what they say is, you have forgotten me, and you have forgotten my word. And what they mean is, is not that uh, the Israelites aren't able to, to quote Scripture, that they have forgotten what it propositionally says. What they mean is, is that they're not doing what they know to be true. And in that sense, they have forgotten, as if they never knew. Because from the Bible's perspective, the parts of the Bible that you know and do not do are just as worthless as the ones that you have never learned to you. Okay? Far better to have never learned it and not done it, in fact, than to have learned it and not applied it. All right? Um, Jesus says, He who knew his master's will and did not do it will be beaten with many stripes. 
In other words, un- undergo great discipline for that. Because that's rebellion, right? He who knows the good he ought to do and does not do it, sins. And so the psalmist says, I'm going to chew on your word. I'm going to let it process through my system in such a way that it benefits me and changes me. So that my way might be pure. So that I might experience the joy of my relationship with God and the joy of reading and understanding his word and so that I might um, put it into my life in a way that works. Okay? Now, I have, I got to tell you, I'm going to get honest with you here for a minute, all right? I've been a believer for 31 years, as I said, and over that time, I have sat through thousands of sermons. Thousands. Uh, many of them in church, but also we had chapel at, at college and at seminary three times a week. And I sat through that. Uh, I sat through two years of sermons at Chuck Swindoll's church. Another two years at Tommy Nelson's church in Denton. I've listened to hundreds of sermons on the radio and on tape. Um, somebody saw my library in my office today, uh, all those hundreds of books in there, most of which have to do with the Bible and with theology. And they, and they said to me, you know, you really need some more books. And I said, you know, as a matter of fact, I have five of them on order. <laughs> okay. Um, and and we have you know I have a I have 123 hours of graduate level seminary education on the Bible and on theology, and I say all that not to brag, but to indict myself and to say that my life is not as pure and as holy as I would like it to be. And I have not allowed as much of this book to penetrate my heart and life as I would like. And I need this message. Okay? And I will bet you that there are other people in this room who need this message too. Maybe even one of you. Right? That we all need this. Right? We all need to have the scripture come into our life and transform it. Because how many of us have a gap between what we know to be true biblically and what we do practically? Let me raise both hands. (laughs) Okay. Uh, How many of us have that kind of a gap? All of us. Okay. How many of us want that gap to get smaller? (laughs) Okay. All of us, I hope want that gap to be smaller this year than last year and this week than last week and today versus yesterday. Right? I want to close that gap between what I know from the Word and what I do with my life. So let me just, uh, let me give you the good word here from the Apostle James. All right? But be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man 
who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, where he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who, who acts, will be blessed in his doing. It's James chapter 1, verse 25 to 27. Right? Um, how many times have you heard it's a good idea to read your Bible regularly so that you know what it says and that you're able to begin to work a little at a time at transforming your life? in accordance with the word of God. How many of you have heard that before? This is not a new idea. How many of you have heard it? Raise your hand. Come on, be brave. All right. All right. Now, um, statistically, about 20% of all Christians do that. Okay. Um, very often, we don't do it. We don't take the word of God into our heart and life. We don't treat it like a love letter from God to us, pouring over every word, wanting to know more of the person behind the book. We treat it as a burden and as an obligation and as a good thing I should do to make God happy with me. Okay, God already loves us as much as he is ever going to love us. He loves us enough to send his son to die on the cross for us, to be raised from the dead uh, for us, and to bring us into his presence for all eternity as his adopted children. You can't go beyond that. God already loves us. And so we don't do this so to make God love us more. We do this out of the overflow of our recognition of how much God loves us, that we want to love him in return and have our lives be pleasing to him in return. And James says, don't be like a man who looks in the mirror. Now, there are two words for man in, the, in Greek in your New Testament, which is originally written in Greek. Okay, one of them is the word anthropos, which means human beings. Okay, this is the word aner. It means man as distinct from woman. Okay, how does a woman look in the mirror? Okay, uh, to ask that question is to answer it, right? She looks in it to see if there is anything that is out of alignment with her vision of how she should look, right? Uh, a man has seven things in his bathroom with which to get himself ready in the morning, okay? A woman has 77 things, most of which a man can neither identify nor operate, <laughs> all right? <laughs> um, and it's because we look in the mirror differently, right? A, a woman looks in there to see if, if everything is as she wants it to be, as she dreams of it being. She buys things like oil of Olay, you know, uh, to do this stuff for her because she wants to bring her life into perfection as revealed by the mirror, right? How does a guy look in the mirror, okay? To the extent that he looks at all, he looks to see if he is what I would call street legal, Okay? <laughs> <laughs> do we have if we have hair is it more or less combed yeah okay we check the tone of our teeth are they green no okay we're good to go <laughs> all right we're wearing pants we're good all right um <laughs> okay and james is saying don't be like that don't be like a man looking in the mirror who you look in the mirror, guys, don't you? And you go, okay, we're good. And you're out the door. And that's the last thought you give to how you look. 
for the rest of the day. Okay? Um, James is saying, with reference to the scriptures, don't be like that. Don't look at yourself in the mirror of God's word and go and forget about what you look like. You need to make adjustments uh, to you, your, the appearance of your soul based on the scriptures. Okay, so let me give you just three practical suggestions here. Uh, well, actually four. Let me give you four, all right? Um, first of all, one of the best things that you could do for yourself would be to get on some kind of a Bible reading plan. Okay? Uh, Navigators has got some that they'll sell you um, at a pretty nominal cost. I think they're five or six bucks. Uh, maybe you've got a Bible, certain certain types of Bibles have excuse me, Bible reading plans to choose from. Uh, the ones I like the best are the ones that you can go through a whole book at a time. And they have little boxes you can check off and so forth. Uh, you, where you have uh, some sense of where you are so you don't get lost. Um, and, um, and just get on one of those and try it. Okay? But don't do it for the sake of checking off the boxes. Do it for the sake of having the scripture permeate your life. Okay? If you're a guy uh, or maybe uh, if you're a woman who has a lot of windshield time, you know, in other words, you spend a lot of time in the car uh, driving from place to place where you're going, get the scripture on CD and listen to it in the Bible. I mean, listen to it in the car. Hear your Bible. Okay? Uh, when you're over at Pierce suffering... <laughs> Uh, get it on your iPod, <laughs> okay? Uh, you can listen to it as you go through your agony, okay? Um, or maybe try something like the Men's Devotional Bible or the Women's Devotional Bible or the One Year Bible where it's actually printed in a way that's organized for devotion, okay? Um, as you read, reflect on the fact that, first of all, it's a privilege to have this thing have the word of God in your hands and and pray that God would reveal himself to you in it and show you if there's anything that you need to fix in the mirror of God's word one of my favorite prayers to pray is the one that says search me and know me O God See if there be any wicked way in me. Lord, my life is yours. Wash me. Make me clean before you. See if there's any area of my life, big or small, that's out of conformity to your word. Is the way that I spoke to people today the way I should have spoken to people today? Are the thoughts that I had today your thoughts, Lord? Are they my thoughts coming out of my sinful flesh? Is the way that I ate and drank and slept and drove and worked and spent time with my family, are all those things in conformity with your word and the way that I did them, or are they not? Last, last word of encouragement here before we pray. Just do it. Okay? Just do it. It will pay benefits to you. All right? Let's, let's pray, and then the, uh, the, the 
worship team will bring us up and uh, close us in a song here. Pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It is a tremendous, tremendous blessing that we have the privilege of,